into chapter 3, we'll be looking at verses 22 to chapter 4, verse 1. All right, Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. And as you can see, we're going to be talking about working relationships today as we draw out some principles from this text. Scripture says here, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong. And there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair. Because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Shall we pray? Father, as we come to the scripture this morning, I pray that you would guide us as we think about this text. There is a different setting in the time in which Paul wrote, in which there was slavery, and we don't experience that today, thankfully. And yet we still are involved in working relationships, and we want to do that well in a way that honors you. So, Father, would you help us to think about this this morning? Help us to think about how we may honor Christ in our work. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. At the time that Paul wrote this letter, it's estimated that there were 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. 60 million slaves, or about one half of the population. And those who were slaves were employed in different kinds of occupations. I mean, some did menial labor. Some were, sadly, in very abusive situations at that time, as slavery was a horrible institution. But others worked in households, in different roles, and they were working even as teachers or doctors in a particular household. I mean, so your occupation didn't necessarily mean you weren't going to be a slave. People worked for their freedom but they found themselves in these different roles. And it's because many of them worked in households that Paul includes this note on slavery and a word to slaves and masters in the context of rules for Christian households. Uh, That was the setting that most people found themselves in. And in the church, many who came to know Christ came out of this class of slavery. And that was true here in Colossae. In fact, there's an interesting connection here between the letter to the Colossians and the letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. Philemon was a slave owner who was in the church at Colossae. And uh, the situation in which Paul wrote a letter to him was that Philemon had a runaway slave named Onesimus who had left him. And of course, in that day and age, if a slave ran away, they could be very harshly punished by the master. But what had happened was that Onesimus had come to know Christ as his Savior and Lord. And so Paul writes this letter to Philemon that is written at the same time as the letter to Colossians is written. And in fact, Onesimus may be the one who's carrying these letters back to the church there as they are delivered to people in this situation. So you can imagine when this letter was read publicly. We don't know if it was a Sunday morning or during the week when they got this letter from Paul and it was read to the whole church. You can imagine everyone being quite interested in what Paul would have to say about 
slavery and masters. And how does this apply as a Christian when we have now become brothers and sisters in the Lord? What does that do? Well, some would criticize Paul for not going far enough in condemning slavery. But these words that Paul wrote and the other passages of Scripture where it touches on this subject would eventually lead to the overthrow of slavery. Paul addresses both individuals here as morally responsible, as autonomous, that they have choices to make about their attitude and behavior and a responsibility to one another regardless of what position you find yourselves in. In fact, in the scripture in Galatians 3:26 to 28, the scripture says this, that you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. It's a statement about our identity in Jesus and the equality that we share before his throne of grace. We are all one. And we are equal in the sight of God. And so all of these things that are part of our world that kind of divide people in terms of status or rank or ethnic group or sex or all those kind of things are not important when it comes before God. We are all one in Christ. And we have different roles and different functions and different gifts in the body of Christ. But He loves each of us and we have a responsibility to one another. So then, how does this word to slaves and masters that we find in Colossians 3, how does it apply to us? I mean, we don't live in that same era. And we can't make a one-to-one correspondence between, say, slaves and employees and masters and employers. But there are some principles that we can take from this text and apply to our work situations today. And that's what I'm going to try and do this morning. I want to back up just a little bit to put work into the context of Scripture in a larger picture and begin with this statement that our work is significant to God. The Bible tells us that we were made to work. That's part of the way that we were created. And when God made Adam and Eve and He placed them in the Garden of Eden, He gave them a responsibility to rule over His creation. And that was a a position of privilege and responsibility before God. And together they were to care for this world that He had made. They were to work in the garden. In fact, in Genesis 2.15, the Scripture says this, that the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Genesis 2, this is before the fall, this is before sin entered into the world. God said that here I have made man, I've made you with certain gifts and abilities, and I've placed you here to have this responsibility to work in the garden. And man's work was to be a joy, a joy and a delight to join with God in what he had done. You see, it's important for us to remember that work is not a curse. Sometimes people give work a a bad rap, you know, and they can't wait to be done with work and maybe retire. Or or sooner than that, you know, people work and they say, thank God it's Friday, you know, and the weekend's here so they don't have to work. And sometimes people view work as though it is a curse. 
But the problem is not with our work. The problem is sin, which entered into our world and which affected every area of our lives, including our work. And that's the reason why we have these toils and hassles and frustrations and roadblocks or obstacles or things that come into our world. It's why things break down, wear out. The frustration that we experience is not because work is a bad thing. It is because of sin that's entered into our world. And in the future, once again, that's going to change. In Revelation 22, verse 3, in the last chapter of the book, it says, No longer will there be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. We get these hints and pictures even from Jesus' parables and the parable of the talents or the parable of the ten minas that those who have been faithful in this life are going to receive positions of responsibility in the next life. There will be opportunities to serve Christ in that new heaven and new earth that He is creating. And so here will be this opportunity to again use our gifts in the way that we have been made to serve God. And can you imagine what that would be like? I mean, think of the joy of tending a garden where there are no more thorns and thistles, no no pests, you know, no rodents coming in or uh, creatures to kind of take what you have planted and tried to care for, no pesticides, you know, no uh, toxic chemicals that you need to use to try and nuke stuff to get rid of it and then grow something that you want to hopefully eat. I mean, talk about organic. This will be really organic. Abundant life and health and produce, wholeness. What a joy. I mean, that would be paradise to be able to work and garden in that kind of environment. That's exactly it. Or think about the the joy that would come in working in a situation with other people to accomplish a goal where there isn't the conflict, there's not the tension, There's not the the gossip in the office place or there's not the backbiting or the person who's trying to get ahead of everybody else. There's not this kind of competition. But you're working together and there's joy, there's peace, there's harmony, there's a sense of respect for one another and a value and appreciation of each other's gifts. What a joy! That ability to be able to, to put others first or to consider their needs and work in harmony. It's going to be different, isn't it? There will still be work, and the enjoyment of that will be far greater than even in this life because the curse is gone in that new heaven and new earth. Our work in this life meets real needs. Our work provides food for the hungry, it provides health care for the sick, it provides education, it provides transportation homes to live in, services that we all need and enjoy. I mean, God has given us this work and ability to do things and make things and produce stuff that we need for our lives. There's a lot that probably we don't need to. But He has given us this wonderful, marvelous ability as human beings to use our gifts to produce and create and work with Him in caring for this creation. And work done well brings personal satisfaction and joy. You think about that. I mean, when we do a project well or work on something that we really enjoy and then you get to see the finished product, 
There's just a delight that comes to our heart. Tony Campolo, an author, Christian speaker, wrote a book called Who Switched the Price Tags? And he tells this story about his father who was a craftsman. He was a cabinet maker. And this goes back to the days when his dad worked for RCA back in the days when people didn't have televisions. They had radios that they sat around and listened to. And his dad was one of those guys who handmade cabinets that these radios were a part of. And Tony said, when I was a kid growing up, my dad took such pride in his work that he made that on every cabinet he built, he would initial it in the back. And whenever we went to somebody's home, uh, he would send me as this little kid to kind of sneak around the back of the cabinet and take a look and see if that's one that his dad had made. He said, twice, I remember finding cabinets that my father had made. And he said, when I told him, my dad just beamed with satisfaction. Those things that he created, they were like an extension of him. They were, they were part of him, that he had put his time and labor into that, and he just took great delight in it. Tony said, my dad never got paid a lot of money, but the satisfaction that he had from his work was huge. Do you find joy in your work? Do you delight in the things that God has enabled you to do? Sometimes it's in our work. Sometimes it's in our hobbies that we find also great joy in those ability to be able to do certain things. That's what God intends. Not only does He want us to find joy in that, but He wants us to realize that our work is a service to Christ. We can do our work as unto the Lord as a ministry or an act of service or worship to Him. And we see that, for example, in verses 23 and 24, when He says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord and not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Now that had to have struck home in Paul's day with these people that were in a position where there was slavery and then there were masters. And slaves really had no rights, very little opportunity to advance. They would try to earn enough money to be able to buy their freedom, but that was costly. And here he is writing to slaves and he's saying, I want you to remember that you have an inheritance in the Lord. You have something far more than you can imagine now. This great reward that is still to come. And it is the Lord Christ that you are serving in your work. We need to remember that too. That above all else, we are servants of Christ. And so whether we are an employee or an employer today, our real boss is Jesus Christ. And it's His opinion that should matter most in our life. Our motivation should be to please Him and not just people. And yes, it is nice to get compliments from others and it's nice to be affirmed in what we do. And we appreciate that. We need that. A little shot in the arm every now and then or a boost that encourages us in our work. But our real motivation should be to please the Lord, that audience of one. And that means that if you are a builder then build for the glory of God. And if you are a teacher, then teach in a way that Jesus would teach and love those students that you work with. If you are in medicine, then provide care in such a way that you show the compassion of Jesus Christ. 
If you're involved in the service industry, you know, whether it's as a waitress or you run a business where you are serving others, then serve your clients well. Serve those that you host in a way that shows respect or courtesy or treat them the way that you would like to be treated. Because the truth is that wherever we go, we are Christ's representatives in our work. We honor Him and people will form an opinion about Christ and about us based on how we act and how we treat others. Now some of you are in situations where you work for a Christian or it's a Christian environment and you just, you enjoy that or you are blessed by that. Others of you are in work situations where maybe you're the only Christian. It may even be a hostile environment to Christianity. They may not want you to bring... Christ into your workplace and so you have to be very sensitive or discerning and how can I do this Lord what is it that you want me to do how can I honor you at work Bill Hybels tells a story about a young man who worked for his father one summer this is in the book Christians in the Marketplace and he said one summer my dad hired a West Point graduate to work at our produce company And this young man was kind of this clean-cut, you know, all-American type boy. And he said, I got to tell you that the guys who worked in in the trucking part of our produce company were pretty rough guys. Most of them were uneducated, hard drinking, hard fighting, women chasing men who relished the opportunity to make sport of this clean-cut young man. (laughs) This is going to be a great summer for them, they thought. And then the rumor started to circulate that not only was this guy coming from you know, West Point as this young wet behind the ears, but he was also a Christian too. Oh boy, they were going to have a good time with this guy. Well, they didn't. And in one short summer, Bill writes, that David, this all-American boy, began to turn our company upside down in terms of his attitude and conduct. And it started on the first day at work when he was there and it came time for the lunch break and he just went behind the warehouse to sit down and have lunch and he noticed that there was an old boxcar back there and there were some vagrants living in this boxcar. And he went up and he introduced himself and he got to know them and he shared his lunch with them and started talking to these two, three guys that were there. And the others who worked in that company kind of laughed at him. I mean, these beggars had been there for a long time. What was David trying to do? And as he got to know them, he began to share from the Scripture with them. He started a little Bible study in this group, and he would share his lunch, and they would talk, and he would pray with them. And others still kind of shook their heads at what was this young guy trying to accomplish here. But in time, it wasn't just two or three guys meeting now. It was others who began to gather there, including some from work, for a small Bible study during lunch. In time, some of the other guys, their attitude began to change, and when they were running into difficulties, they started to talk to David. They asked him to pray for them or to pray for the situations in their family and their lives. Bill writes, you know, before that summer ended, we could have hired David to be our kind of counselor at work here you know he was just he had a ministry with others because of his character and his integrity his respect for people and the way that he treated them and that was attractive and it began to change the tone of the workplace what could you do in your work you have opportunities too 
where you can make a difference for Christ right where you work. And what is that like for you? How could you use your gifts to be a witness for Him? Last night I was at one of our ABF socials and it was interesting as people were sharing around the circle last night about things going on in their life right now, how many shared about work situations. I won't tell the stories. I, I was jokingly kidding with them that, great, now I get some good illustrations for Sunday morning, you know. No, but um, they were just sharing of situations, some more difficult than others, where their faith was being tested. You know, tested by co-workers that aren't the most pleasant to work with. Tested by customers that can be pretty demanding. How do you handle that? And here was an opportunity to hear and share those stories and really talk about that together. You know, we need that. I mean, I would, I would encourage you. Today what I'm going to share is just some, you know, kind of hints and, and suggestions from the Scripture on things that you could do. But I think for all of us that find ourselves in work situations, especially that are difficult ones in a secular environment, I would encourage you to connect with other believers in our church. And tell your story and ask some questions about, well, how do you handle this? How do you handle it as an employee at this business or in that work situation? What are some things that you're doing? Or what have you seen God do in your work environment? Pray together, pray for one another, and put these things into practice. I think down the road these could be some great faith stories. I would love to hear a faith story from you on how God has worked in your uh, environment as an employee or as an employer and what you've seen God do. So here's some suggestions from the Scripture. If you are an employee, then I think the very first thing that we need to do is we need to be a good worker. In verse 22, for those who were slaves here even, Paul was saying, I want you to obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. He was telling those who were slaves to be a good worker. How much more for us that our employees who are being paid for what we do, we have a responsibility to work hard and not just when the boss is looking, not just when he's around, you know, and you might be seen, but even when he is not looking. Take pride in your work and do it well for the glory of Christ. You see, if people know you are a Christian, they will watch you and they will form an opinion about you or about Christianity or about Jesus Christ based on how you work, based on your attitude and the way that you conduct yourself. I mean, if you think in the Scripture and you go back to the stories about Daniel in the Old Testament or Joseph who found himself thrown in prison in Egypt, how did those individuals come to that point where they were promoted? I mean, really it was their character, their integrity that shone. And God's hand was on them. God's favor was on them. And they were lifted up and restored to these positions of influence will be that kind of employee who works well, who is known as someone who has integrity and character. Be honest and dependable. One of the major concerns of retailers today is shoplifting. It's a huge problem to try to protect their assets. And you know what's sad is that much of that shoplifting is not done by people who are coming in and out of the store, but it's being done by their own employees. 
And that's what's sad sometimes, that people take advantage of work situations and, and they're just taking stuff home with them. Or they're trying to cheat the company or think that they won't really miss it or it won't really matter. They're a, they're a big company. You know, if you work for a place like Target or Walmart or something like that, certainly they're not going to miss it, right? No, not at all. Come on. God wants us to be honest and dependable where we work and to do that well. And if you are known as an employee who is honest in his labor, who does his job well, does what you are asked, that makes a difference. That is a witness for Christ. Be respectful. Treat your boss, treat other co-workers the way that you would want to be treated. If you have an issue, conflict, handle it properly. Don't talk behind their back, but go to them directly or work things through or follow the steps that you need to in terms of taking things to your supervisor and going from there. Address those things well. I know of one man who actually got promoted in a banking business because he was not a yes man. I mean, when there was something where he thought could be changed or improved or done better, he said that. He didn't just go along with everything his boss said. And his boss in time saw the value of that, respected him in the way that he did it, and actually promoted him in his responsibility because of his, again, character and courage to say the right thing or the hard things. Look for ways to serve Christ at work. It may be the place uh, that you are working, you can't say a lot, but you can always pray. You can pray for your boss. You can pray for other co-workers. You can pray for opportunities to have a ministry. There may be ways that you might be able to use your break time to have conversations spiritually. Or maybe to lead a Bible study, just like David did at that produce company. You can be a friend and an encourager. And all of those are ways that you can serve Christ in your place of work. If you are an employer or self-employed and you look at the other side... And you want to run your business with integrity. Paul wrote here to masters in that setting. Provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Just this little subtle reminder, masters, you have a responsibility to your slaves. If Paul were writing in our day, I think he would say, you know, employers, you have a responsibility to those who work for you. Treat your employees and treat your customers fairly. Pay a fair wage for the work that is required of them. Uh, do that well in a way that honors Christ. And remember that you too have a boss in heaven, if you will. You have someone who's watching over you. You have someone who looks and observes the way that you treat other people. And God has put you in this position of responsibility if you have your own company or business to again be a light for him so one of the things that you can do is create a positive work environment where people feel like man this is just a, a great place to work I enjoy coming to work and being able to participate in this business treat your employees with respect again treat them like you would want to be treated and ultimately do it all for God's glory in a way that brings him honor you know, I love it when I hear the stories of how God is doing that in your place of work. I think of, you know, a 
different individuals in our church through the year where kind of those comments come back of this person who ran his business really well in a way that demonstrated Christian integrity. I think of good friends of ours from past years when we were in Fargo, who, a man named Howie Dahl, I've told you his story, who started this company uh, manu- manufacturing farm equipment so that it could be sold in Eastern Europe before the Iron Curtain was open. And he had Christians who worked in that company who went in as representatives who because of that manufacturing business had opportunities to meet with people and minister for the sake of Christ. He was a man who kind of wrestled with and thought about how can I do my work as a Christian in a way that honors him. And when he sought out this avenue, God began to open far more doors than he ever imagined God would do. And that's really cool to see when people begin to think about their place of work and what is it that I can do for Christ. And I would challenge you to do that. The scripture says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. So if you are going to do this in a way that honors Christ, then doesn't it make sense that the very first thing we should do is ask the Lord to guide us? Father, you've given me this job. What is it that I can do to serve you here in my work? Or you have given me this business. How can I use it for the glory of God? I want to encourage you to think about that. Think about this text. Think about these verses and ask the question, what does that mean for me? What does it mean for you? And how will you apply these verses to your work? I'm going to encourage you, too, to meet with others. Maybe there's somebody else who's in a similar business or trade or occupation. It would be great if two or three of you could get together and kind of pray for one another or share stories or think about this. If you took everybody in our church who's involved in work outside in the world and they begin to think that way, I just think the potential is enormous in terms of ministry. And many of you already do that and you are sharing the stories, but if we all were very intentional in bringing Christ into our work, I think we would begin to see our work environments changed for the glory of God. And that's our goal. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you today, we want to commit to you our occupations, our businesses, our place of work, and ask that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit. Father, bring to mind people that we can pray for, situations where maybe we can step in and help someone. Maybe there's an opportunity to have a conversation about spiritual things, and we can point them toward Christ. Maybe there's an opportunity to lead a Bible study or a discussion group with others. Lord, you know. You know what's best. You know what would be the opportunity that we could best serve and the gifts and abilities that we have. But would you open our eyes? Help us to just be more sensitive to that and to think about your Spirit's leading and prompting even this week. We ask it in Jesus' name.